Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Nevermind the Bar Charts with myself, Mark Pack, and my co-host, Stephen Toole. And once again, we're recording in the aftermath of a Liberal Democrat by-election victory. So we should perhaps start with congratulations to uh, Beatrice Wishart for holding the Shetland seat in the Scottish Parliament, uh, being safely elected to succeed Tavish Scott. And um, I fear, though... I'm not going to be able to persuade you, Stephen, to spend the whole episode talking about Shetland and not talking about Brexit at all. So I am going to take a good sip of my Panglossian Remainer Kool-Aid and tell you why (laughs) everyone should be really happy if they're a Remainer, because it's all going brilliantly. Yeah, well, I I suppose I can start off with the optimism that uh, we're talking Brexit, folks. Yes, Mark Pack is finally being persuaded to break his silence, and we're going to talk Brexit for pretty much, I suspect, the whole of this episode. Yeah. Okay. Unlike, unlike every other political podcast, exactly. Going. <laughs> so here is why Remainers should be feeling happy and chipper, and actually that we're winning and we're winning and we're winning again and again and again. Because think what's happened in the last few years. We had a leave prime minister, call a general election, lose a majority. We had that absolutely unmissable do or die deadline for Brexit, and it didn't happen. We had the impossible to hold European Parliament elections, which were held. And you know what? The Leave Leave Party in power got completely hammered with, on a perfectly reasonable vote share measure, its worst general election result in more than a decade, being even outpolled by the Liberal Democrats. And even better for the Remainers, the Leave camp is now deeply split, thanks to the rise of the, the Brexit Party. Everyone likes talking about how the Remainers are split, but it's the Leavers who have got the real problem, being deeply split between the Brexit Party and the Conservative Party. Then Prime Minister ousted, you know, not bad going here. We've stopped Brexit, we've ousted our Prime Minister, we've removed their majority in Parliament. And you know what? Who have the Leavers put in as a new Prime Minister? Somebody who has remarkably unpopular ratings with the public as a whole. Boris Johnson's honeymoon in the polls is just not a honeymoon at all. You look at his leadership ratings, they're the sort of leadership ratings you expect of a Prime Minister struggling several years into term of office, not a newly elected popular person. And even better... What has Boris Johnson been trapped into doing in the last few days by cunning Remainer tactics? He's been backed into a corner, been forced to prorogue Parliament, a desperate policy measure which only a quarter of the public support. Worth, worth, you know, just contemplating that for a moment. This supposed political genius that is driving the Leave camp at the moment has ended up going for a dramatic headline-grabbing measure that three-quarters of the public don't say, yeah, I support that, I think that's a good idea. And, even better... Boris Johnson's repeated exactly the same mistakes that Theresa May had made by now introducing a do-or-die deadline without actually having the votes in Parliament to be able to achieve that. Even more so, his desperate moves have driven a series of previously pretty loyal Conservative MPs this week to say they're actually willing to contemplate no confidence in their own party. If you want a disastrous leader producing huge splits in their own party, you just have to look at Boris Johnson in the last few days. And even better as a little bonus side effect. What has he done? He has helpfully made it easier for Remainers to unite around a common plan of action by putting a bit of time pressure on, because we all know if you've got a disparate group of people, can't quite agree what to do, stick them in a room, give them a deadline, give them an extra reason to dislike their opponents, that's just the way to get unity and a common plan of action. So, Remainers should be happy, Leavers should be despairing. The end. Well, that's... Oh, by the way, uh, sorry, bonus. I I almost forgot the other bonus. bonus. In amongst, I mentioned the European Parliament election disasters. Mm -hmm. Remember also what's been happening to the Leavers? Massive losses at the local elections. Heavily defeated 
in local elections, heavily defeated the European parliamentary elections, lost the Brecon and Radnor by-election as well. So they're also being hammered in the polls. Right, well, that's the kind of um, thing you don't hear on the mainstream media, isn't it? So, uh, it's a conspiracy. Uh, it's a yeah. conspiracy. Yeah, those, those forces of liberal remainerism in the media have all been suppressed. But thank you, Mark, for unleashing that tirade of uh, uh, Romaniac optimism. Uh, Which I almost believe. Direction. I nearly believe so it So let myself. me ask you a first question. <laughs> How much is that kind of a... You believe that 70% or 100%? Um, not 100%, you'll be glad to know. <laughs> I, well, the, but putting the list together... It did strike me, what it really highlights is, I think, two things. One is the absence of a really um, sort of charismatic figure at the centre of the political stage arguing the Remainer cause with the sort of cheeky self-confidence that, at their very best, a Boris Johnson or a Nigel Farage or a Ken Livingston or a Tony Blair, you know, any of those figures have managed, mm-hmm. or indeed at their peak, a Charles Kennedy or a Paddy Ashdown. Um, I don't say that as a criticism particularly of Jo Swinson, because actually she is new in the job, and as with most party leaders who are new in the job, it takes a while for the public to really notice sure. and pay much attention, especially if you're not a Labour or Tory leader. Um, but I think it does highlight there isn't that person out there in the media every day with the, with the self-confidence of somebody who has a slightly dodgy set of uh, double glazing to sell you, but yeah, confident so they're going to be able no, to persuade there's you no to remain, you. There's, there's no, no remain leader. Uh, um, and the other thing that I think it highlights, though, which, which I, I, I'm genuinely puzzled why others are not making more of, I do think that if you want to unite Remainers behind a course of action giving them loads of time and loads of options. Mm. We've sort of tested that to destruction. That doesn't work. And I, I think it is a huge gamble. Maybe that's the best way of putting it rather than, hurrah, it's great news. But it is a massive gamble by Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings to think that we've got this really disparate opposition that can't quite work out what it wants to do and we're going to put them under huge pressure because that could, yeah, that could easily provide that, that unity uh, that, that Remainers have, have been struggling for. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a good column, I don't know whether you read it yesterday, by uh, Tom Chivers, uh, formerly of the Telegraph and BuzzFeed, saying that uh, Dominic Cummings is this you know, great big rationalist mm. thinker, figure, and believes in game theory. <clears throat> and so one of the uh, ideas behind that is a kind of mutually assured destruction idea that if you run um, or put your foot to the floor uh, in a car uh, in an attempt to... Um, rule the road, even if another car is coming in the opposite direction straight at you, it's the person who swerves who loses. And so game theory says, uh, or one posit of game theory is, um, the way to win is to remove the steering wheel from the car, Mm. because then they really do believe that you are on a straight trajectory, there is no way in which you can veer off course, therefore it forces the other person to swerve to avoid um, a crash. So that's the, I suppose, the theory. um, Although on Twitter, Tom, at least, Tom has a nice twist on that where he says the risk is Dominic Cummings thinks he's playing that game, but he's actually driving down a rail track towards a train engine. Yeah, or to stretch the metaphors further, you know, there's not just one other car heading towards you Mm. because there's not only um, the forces of Remain in the House of Commons, but there's also the European Union uh, and voters and so on. And also the European Union is vastly outsized compared to the UK, so it's not a fair fight. So I'm not, can, I, can I twist his analogy in a way that almost on. brings it back to something that's credible? So, 
as you say, you, you imagine it's this game of chicken, who's going to blink first, and what Dominic Cummings has done to the Conservative Party. Interesting side note that the Conservative Party seems so happy to have, to have Dominic Cummings put their future so much at risk. But anyway, leaving that aside for a moment, Dominic Cummings has strapped himself in with the seatbelt. He's taken the steering wheel. He's thrown the steering wheel out of the window. He has then got an enormous tube of superglue and superglued the seatbelt shut so that he clearly is... What does the person in the car heading towards him think? Car going along pretty quickly. I normally wouldn't want to jump out of this car, but you know what? That idiot is heading straight towards me, going to cause a complete disaster. I'll just jump out of the car and do something I wouldn't normally do. And hey, I jump out of the car, I get a few bruises when I land at the side of the road, but who gets to walk mm -hmm. away from that car crash? The person who jumped out of the car. And I think that is the, you know, what are the circumstances in which a Conservative MP might be willing to know confidence their own party? It's the circumstances that Dominic sure, Cummings is sure. creating, you know, I, and and uh, you know that going back to my slight aside, there is a a whole an interesting again sort of unspoken issue here, and maybe it's because no Conservatives are bothered about it, but I do wonder at least in hindsight whether some will start worrying about it. Is the way they seem to have allowed Dominic Cummings to gamble so heavily with the future mm -hmm. of their party, and I mean Dominic Cummings is not a sort of yeah, the Conservative Party is 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 a means to an end for him. And it is yeah. uh, an interesting act of trust on the part of the Conservative Party yeah. to gamble such a high-risk strategy which could lose them not only the battle over Brexit, but completely smash their party to the hands of someone who's actually... Is he actually really that concerned about yeah. the future of the Conservative I mean, I mean, Party? Dominic, Dominic Cummings is not uh, a Conservative. I mean, literally, he is mm. not a Conservative and, to the best of my knowledge, never has been. He is part of that more uh, Maoist... Uh, move fast and break things mm. uh, kind of inversion of conservatism that has usurped the Burkean mm. trust and belief in credible, long-lasting British institutions, which is what has dominated the Conservative mm. Party's ideology, uh, if you can call it an ideology, up until now. So it, you know, it, it has completely trashed the Conservative Party brand of caring about the economy and building up great British institutions that will have longevity. That is completely gone by the board as a result of Brexit. Uh, and uh, as a result of people like Dominic Cummings. It's interesting, I'm reading um, Charles Moore's biography of Margaret Thatcher at the moment, and the more you read it, uh, the more you realise that even though it's her legacy and her most ardent followers who are pursuing this policy, it's the kind of thing she wouldn't have touched with a barge pole um, when she was in number 10. No matter what you think of her economic policies or whatever, she put um, the credibility of finance and the importance of um, British state institutions very much at the heart of how she governed and the idea she would have done something as reckless as Brexit let alone a no deal Brexit uh, is I think crazy at least mm. while she was in number 10 no matter what her views became subsequently. And so she and she genuinely believed in free trade there is a yeah. slight irony that she signed up to the single market. Exactly, well and in many ways Britain helped create the single yeah, market indeed. you could say you know that, that it's one of Britain's contributions yeah, yeah. to the what is now the European Union is, was the creation of the single market. Now, she really believed in removing barriers uh, to trade. Obviously, many of the barriers that she re believed removing in the economy more general generally led to some, ex to put it at its mildest, extremely controversial policies. Uh, but she really believed, in a way, again, you look at a lot of Tory at the moment who claim to be free traders, claim to be free marketeers, and you think, yeah, but you seem awfully happy to introduce a whole load of more obstacles into the free market. Mm. And to cut off trade from our nearest and largest trading partner. Um, I do want, though, to... I'm gonna, you want to rip apart I, I, my, I, yeah. my Pandalossian well, gonna, list of I, I, I'm gonna, Remain a Triumph. I'm going to try and fisk 
um, your uh, your Panglossian um, I have tirade. given you quite a lot of material to fit. So. Um, but I'm going to start off actually with the um, with the last point, I suppose, just because it's uh, it's pertinent to what we've just been talking about, which is I have some sympathy, um, not with Boris Johnson and his worldview, but in terms of uh, the position he's currently in. Uh, I mean, I think you're right to say it's a huge gamble, mm. and I think the Conservative Party is being reckless, not only with its own <coughs> future, but with the country's future, and that's pretty unforgivable. But if you look at it on a kind of rational objective, what would I do in his shoes basis, I'm not sure that he has many alternatives open to him. So I'm assuming that he doesn't actually really want to do a deal. I mean, if the European Union suddenly turned around and said, you know, oh, forget about that back- backstop, we were just joking all along... Um, he would take it, but that's not going to happen. So I'm assuming that he doesn't really think a deal in the current parliament is possible to get through. Mm. And therefore he is, um, and this is where I think the strategy that he and Cummings have cooked up isn't working as well as um, some people would like to think, is to uh, assert, you know, uh, is to try and provoke the House of Commons into action that will legitimise him being able to Mm. call an early election. That's what I assume is, is yeah, really what's I, behind I, it all. I, I think that's... And, I think so, that's uh, and, and so I think that from... If I was in Boris Johnson's shoes, I think that makes sense because it is almost impossible mm. to imagine any kind of deal getting through this parliament. Um, but we know that <coughs> even under no deal, there has to be a deal at some mm. point. So if I were him, I would think, OK, what are the ways in which I can get myself some more leverage in the House of Commons? That means I have to risk it on a on general election. I know that might go badly for me. I know I might be out of power within a matter of weeks. Mm. But basically the only chance I've got of longer term survival is to get a general election, try and get myself a majority, and then see where I'm at. That might mean I can cut the DUP adrift and go for Northern Ireland only backstop, or it might mean I've just got enough credibility and uh, money in the bank to be able to um, just bring enough um, Conservatives across with me, perhaps with some uh, remaining Labour rebels as well. So I, if I were in Boris Johnson's shoes, I think an early general election is my mm. pretty much my most rational hope, and everything he's doing moves us towards that point. Therefore, it's kind of legit, isn't it? Yes, but... So I think you're right that an early general election is quite possibly the route that Boris Johnson wants to take, and that it's a... You know, of all the different options in front of him, you can see why that might be the route that he also thinks is the best route. However... Least worst, anyway. Uh, yes, least worst. However that route requires then him to win the election. Sure, sure. And so I think some of what he has done, and this touches on a little bit about what I said about putting pressure on Remainers, has massively mm-hmm. upped the risk yeah. of the Tories getting hammered in that election. Because there's both the question about what are the overall levels of support for Remain parties and yeah, yeah. parties in that, there's what does Labour do, but there's also, courtesy of first past the post, how united is mm-hmm. the Leave camp and the Remain camp. And I think a lot of what Boris Johnson has done in the last few days makes it much more likely that Remainers will be united in all sorts of different ways. I think, A, it means there's more likely to be negotiated candidate deals, etc. B, it's more likely that Remain voters will do even more what they did in the European election and maybe think, well, I really don't want to vote for Party X, but I'm going to have to vote for them in this Mm -hmm. seat because this year. Boris Johnson has given them another real strong emotional sense of anger about what he's doing with Parliament. So, you know, I've really got to make sure he gets out. He's also, therefore, given that motivation to donors. And so there's a whole set of circumstances in which you can say, well, okay, Boris Johnson might get to the early election, but the route by which he's got to it is one which is also reducing his chances of winning it. 
I, I'm not, I don't disagree with any of that analysis. Uh, it is a huge gamble. Uh, I still think it's least worse because anything else, any kind of delay, any kind of can kicking um, past the 31st of October, which is the risk from his point of view, is that a general election, if it goes past the 31st of October and Brexit hasn't happened, uh, means that he has broken that do-or-die um, rash promise that he made during uh, the leadership campaign. So from his point of view of, I want to try and get something through the House of Commons by the 31st of October, I can only do that if I have a general election. Yes, that might mean I fall flat on my face. That's the trouble when you try and run really quickly. But better to try and run really quickly than end up with Theresa May's fate of being a victim of uh, a Remainer um, parliament which won't allow me to do my bidding. But, but, the, but the, he does have, an even within that scenario, he does have an alternative approach to take, which is one that tries to divide Remainers rather than... Uh, I don't think he has the time for together. that, because... Um, if he divides Remainers, then there's a good chance the House of Commons won't give him his flashpoint uh, as an excuse to call that early election. So my assumption is that he wants an early election. Mm. To achieve that, he has to actually provoke Remain into it. Now that, as you say, is a huge risk mm. and I think might well turn out to be a huge error. It won't be the first by a Conservative Prime Minister over mm. European policies. But from a point of view of trying to get his goal, if I'm right that he does want that early election then I'm not sure there's an alternative because the trouble with can-kicking is he might not get to the point where the House of Commons has stood up to him enough to force that early Possibly. election. Possibly. I mean, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just mindful of the way that you know, Labour is... Is Labour a Leave Party or a Main Party? Well, yeah, both, yeah. neither. You know, the Labour, in that sense, is deeply split. A not unreasonable basic approach to winning a general election if you're one of the main parties and the current other main party is deeply split on an issue is to try to play up their splits. Mm -hmm. And it seems that everything that Boris Johnson has done in the last couple of weeks is, is likely to play that down rather than play that up. So if yeah. you think about what are the odds of a Labour MP defecting from the Labour Party, you know, somebody else leaving, those odds have massively fallen in the last few weeks. He has given people in Labour a reason to, yeah. to stick together. Now, I think he is also, uh, you know, it may be damaging Labour... In, in the sense of encouraging people who are keen on Remain to think, look, in this sort of polarised, high-stakes world, you know, can we really gamble our vote on a party that isn't really, you know, sometimes leave, sometimes remain, not really sure what they are. It's got a leader who's got a lot, you know, lifelong record of Euroscepticism, and therefore they people come mm -hmm. for voting Lib Dem or Green or Plaid or SNP. Um, so there are ways that, you know, that that, that, that may damage Labour, but there's certainly, I think, a short-term respect in which he has unified. Yep his yep. current main rival. I yep. say current because, of course, the Liberal Democrats are going to sweep to glorious victory. Yeah, of course. Now, the other thing that I wanted to... Well, there were loads of things I wanted to pick up in your analysis, but um, the one I'm <laughs> going to focus... Not the Lib Dem sweeping the to one, glorious victory. Um, the one I'm going to focus on uh, is... Uh, one you've touched on already, I yeah. suppose, but uh, in this idea that actually Remain is, is winning... Uh, and uh, has... Uh, Brexit it, hasn't happened. Brexit Prime Minister ousted. Leave us trounced at the polls. Exactly. All that, all that uh, wonderfully um, true analysis, uh, which I think ultimately Brexit hasn't happened uh, out of a m mixture of uh, luck, whether it's bad or good, I guess, depends on your um, point of view. Uh, but a lot of luck has been involved. Um, the fact that Theresa May called that early election when she didn't have to. And... Uh, in fact, we had an election that wasn't about Brexit, uh, and it turned into an election very much about what uh, kind of a protest against 
um, Conservative Party policies more generally, as well as the um, mess that Theresa May made of the campaign. So, uh, you know, that, that 2017 general election result, which of course has um, precipitated a lot of the uh, mess that we've got into since then, because there was no government with a majority, or certainly not a convincing majority, uh, that just happened. It, it wasn't because of Remain, it certainly wasn't because of the Lib Dems, because we went backwards at the election in terms of popular vote, uh, though we added four more MPs. So, you know, and a very significant gain for MPs if you look at how close some of the votes indeed in the subsequently yeah, yeah, yeah. have been. Sure. By the way, so sure. uh, there is a bit more that Lib Dems can claim credit for what's happened. But okay, um, but it, uh, the big rise in that election, I don't think, is uh, contestable. It was Jeremy Corbyn, mm. who <coughs> uh, and the Labour Party to a lesser extent, <coughs> and uh, they of course were a Leave Party. Uh, they are probably not a Leave Party now, uh, though it's you know it's still this kind of Schrodinger's. Um, Party I mean, policy. Labour's position is still it wants to try to negotiate a new deal. Yeah, so officially, yes. yes. Um, though uh, the reality is, if they get into power, that probably won't last long. But who knows? Uh, and I guess that's the Lib Dem stance. Mm. So a lot of uh, the reason Brexit hasn't happened is down to um, complete failure on uh, the previous Prime Minister's part to communicate um, her deal and to strategize and to recognize that actually everything had changed once she had lost her majority and to reach out in any way to Labour um, rebels uh, who wanted to leave. All these things, I think, um, are the reason that uh, Remain is still on the table rather than uh, any particular concerted campaign by Remain Alliance. And I guess that points to, I think, what's the biggest that issue. That shows just how well the Remainers are doing, yeah, even yeah, it's, without it's, a unified plan. It's under the radar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think the bigger issue, um, which I think if Brexit doesn't happen by the 31st of October, will continue to loom large, is that Remain really hasn't still dealt with why it lost the referendum very well. And... Uh, I don't think has got a particularly strong, compelling narrative that means if there were a second referendum, people's vote, call it what you will, that Remain would definitely win. It might do, but it certainly wouldn't be a massive victory as it, uh, as it looks like it. There's been a very small shift in the polls um, in favour of Remain, but it's still pretty tight. The fact that no deal can command 40% support in some polls, it can vary according to the questions you ask, of course, but you know, up to yes, 40%. And it, well, and it's... If, if you give people a range of options, yeah, then yeah. That, that, yeah. that figure comes in. Some uh, sure. Can, um, can come in much lower. But I, I don't think that um, Remain has done a very good job of working out why it lost or what its message would be next time it, in a way that would mean it would be much more likely um, to win. So that combined with the fact that there isn't um, a Nigel Farage equivalent, and if he exists, he's probably James O'Brien, who's not going to stand for Parliament. Well, or, or as I think you know, may happen if we have this early election that you, you that you painted, that it will it will turn out to be Joe Swinson. It, yeah, you know, uh, and, yeah, and as as, yeah. as I touched on earlier, I think one of the things for leaders of parties other than the two main parties in particular is it is often only the first general election that they fight that the public really, who generally don't pay that much attention to politics most of the time, really mm -hmm. start paying attention to yep. them and they can make their name on the national sure. political sure. stage. Sure. Um, and we've seen you know, a sequence of, of both previous Lib Dem leaders, but also leaders of other parties do that. Um, 
And, you know, if we have a general election which is about Brexit, where we have Corbyn still somewhat impaled on mm -hmm. this, well, I'm sort of against Brexit, but on the other hand, I do want to negotiate a new deal, and then maybe I'll negotiate a new deal and I'll give you a vote on it, but I've not yet made up my mind whether I'll actually be in favour or against the deal that I've just negotiated. You know, that against yeah. that, there will be an opportunity for Joe and the Liberal Democrats to have a very clear position on the national stage. Yeah. And crucially, I think, differently from 2017, it will be an election about Brexit. Yes, yes. Um, yes, I think that's right. Um, but um, I still think when you look at uh, what Remain has got to say to um, voters, uh, and I'm not talking about the middle class southern voters, um, the Telegraph reading um, Brexit supporters, I'm talking about um, the small town left behind voters. Uh, I don't think the Lib Dems, I don't think Remain have a particularly compelling message to them about why Remain should um, continue, should actually triumph in the end. And I don't think much work has gone into trying to really put that together. There is still no reliance on figures of the past who, you know, uh, I kind of, I listen to what Teddy Blair's got to say, but I know I'm in a, in a bit of a minority on that. Um, you end up with the kind of um, radicalised fringes of Remain, I think, Unhelpfully, you know, the follow back pro Europe brigade, the people led by Donkey's group, um, you know, the Philip Pullman saying that Boris Johnson deserves to be strung up from the lamppost. You know, there is a, a fringe of Romania um, which has descended into mania, which I don't think is helpful and has dragged the whole of Remain towards this extremist view, mm. whereby um, suspending Parliament for an extra couple of weeks, wrong decision, I think. But it's one of those things that the executive will try and do to manipulate power to its advantage. Uh, and just as the forces of Remain um, have used John Burko's speakership to um, upend parliamentary president, that's what happens when you're fighting uh, hard and dirty mm. in politics over high stakes issues. The fact that that's being called a coup, I think, is OTT. Uh, so I, I think there's just been this sense of Remain being dragged towards the extremes of, uh, of the betrayal myth that leavers want to invoke and I don't think it's helpful and I think it's distracted from trying to get a message across to your median voter about why that 2016 referendum should be overturned and what would be in it for them and why the future would be better if the UK remained within the European Union and I don't think that argument is anywhere close to being one yeah. yet. I mean I'd agree with some of what you said uh, just then and certainly for example Phil, uh, Philip Pullman's tweet was really quite abhorrent um, I wouldn't quite I think classify all the others that you bracketed with him in that same in that same category but also I think there is a sense of you're maybe slightly underplaying the progress that Remain has had with public opinion because I think two things have changed since the immediate aftermath of the referendum that one is that batch of people who voted Remain but felt yeah okay I guess we better go ahead with that, this now. Um, that group of people has largely been won over to actually know it's okay mm -hmm. to still be a Remainer. So stage one, as it were, people firm like up. Yeah, people, people like, yeah, stage one, won over Stephen. Yeah. Stage two, a small number of leavers, net, you know, there's obviously churn in all these things, but net, a small number of leavers have shifted from being leavers to Remainers mm -hmm. fairly consistently across the different ways of looking at this. And you're absolutely right, there is a third stage of winning over more of them. And the focus very much has been on the first two. So whilst I would agree with you about what more needs doing in the future, I wouldn't underplay 
the extent to which progress has been made. If you go back and read what, say, people like Deborah Mattinson, who I'm often praising for her really insightful mm -hmm. analysis of public opinion, if you go back to read what she was saying about the state of public opinion in the immediate aftermath of the referendum or why the Lib Dems didn't do better at the last general election, that a large part of that was about Remainers who were therefore the sort of, actually, no, you know what, it's got to go ahead, etc. And that, yeah. albeit it's the easier group to persuade, obviously, from a Remainer perspective, but that group has been, by and large, one over. So I think there is progress. I absolutely agree with you. There needs to be more. And in a way, what we need to do is avoid the mistake that Nick Clegg made when he debated Nigel Farage in the last but one European Parliament elections, uh, where there was that question about, you know, Britain stays in the EU, what do you imagine the EU being mm. like in, I think it was 10 years' time was the question. And Nick's answer, unfortunately, was pretty much the same as it is now. And yeah. there was, a, in that sense, a, a very yeah strong small c conservatism about that when the answer is no look we want britain to stay in the eu not because we want things to stay the way they are or because we want to restore things to some rose-tinted nostalgia of the past we want britain to stay in the eu because that is the way to bring about so many of the changes that we so desperately need to make sure. our our economy greener to make the country more environmentally sustainable to give people better chances in lives and that is about changing the world but changing the world in a good way and the way to bring about those changes is to bring back down barriers not put up barriers and that definitely i agree with you has to be part of the message now we're nearly out of time yeah so the good news for listeners though is this is a subject that Stephen is going to be able to get me to return to at least once more in the future. What, you mean Brexit's going to be in the news again? Yeah, well, and public commitment here. We are going to talk, <laughs> uh, have a whole episode about Brexit at least once more because on Saturday, the 5th of October, Stephen and I are doing a live recording of this show. We normally with a, do dead recordings. Exactly. We're, 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 doing we're, doing a, a live one. we're doing a recording in front of an audience <laughs> at Podcast Live. So 5th of October, Saturday, the 5th of October... Uh, venue near Euston Station in London. Stephen and I are one of the podcasts taking part in Podcast Live. If you go to podcastlive.com, you can buy tickets for the day or just to come and see Stephen and I. And we have a special guest, don't we? We have a special yet-to-be-announced yet special okay. guest, but okay. we do have a title for the show, which is, Is Dominic Cummings a Genius? So we will be discussing that in detail with somebody who has, who has worked with Dominic Cummings. We will save for a later day the reveal as to who the special guest is. Is, is, but is somebody, it Boris? Is somebody, it Boris? Shh, Sorry, shh, Boris Johnson. Shh. Boris Johnson. So we will, ha we will have a special guest. Now, when you go to podcastlive.com to buy your tickets, uh, you can get an all-day ticket that lets you see many other <clears throat> slightly better known podcasts be recorded <laughs> as well. If you, however, tick our logo, sorry, click on or tap on our logo, you can get special VIP seats for okay. our recording, which given um, basically means you get a seat at the front and therefore you have a chance of hearing Stephen's voice if you're right <laughs> at the front. Uh, but very much looking forward to hearing, seeing and maybe even being able to take some questions from many of our listeners uh, are at Podcast Live, London, 5th of October. Go to podcastlive.com to get your tickets. Fantastic. So, any, any final thoughts, Stephen? Um, I still think that... Um, uh, we need a slightly more moderate sense of uh, this is this is going to be my kind of worldview outlook. Uh, it's uh, remainer optimism is good and probably necessary. And if people like me have been around too much, then uh, we're 
probably wouldn't be where we are now, and the Lib Dems would be a soft Brexit party. Uh, so perhaps it's as well that my uh, moderate pessimism uh, doesn't win out, but I think um, Mark's um, radical optimism occasionally needs tempering.